Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I want to, I'm eager to go ahead and just dive into the message that the Lord has for us this morning, but I did just want to share just maybe three things briefly. Uh, many of you know I'm continuing to travel uh, all over the United States this summer, continuing to recruit for our full-time school of ministry, Maranatha School of Ministry. It's a two-year full-time five-fold school of ministry seeking to train and equip end-time messengers. Uh, we have some of our students from this first class that are here this morning, others of them are back home. But the next semester does start August 26th. Our final open house of the summer is this Friday. If you'd like to get more information about the ministry school, hear a little bit of the vision, there's free dessert. We just want to invite you this coming Friday. I believe it's at 7 p.m. right in Connection Central. And praise God, the chapel over there is almost done. And so um, it has been a fight. Um, I've overseen nine building projects now in almost nine years. And they are not for the faint at heart. And we want to thank all of you who have donated and given over there. And uh, we're really excited that we're nearing the end of finally having that entire uh, facility. It's like you call an air-conditioned guy to fix a unit in the same day another unit breaks and then the same day something literally it's Barry and I have you know not in the spirit called it cursed but we're not giving up on it so we're really excited about it nearing completion so this Friday at 7 we'd love to have you also uh, many of you know the most recent book that I've written is called the power of consecration a prophetic uh, word to the church it releases um, in bookstores around the world and online August 20th, but we do have pre-order copies here today only. And so if you would like to buy a copy of the new book, they are in the lobby. They're also selling them over at the Winter Haven campus. Uh, Lou Engel wrote the foreword. Corey Russell wrote the introduction. Um, if I could just sum up this book, it's my life message. Uh, this is a seventh book that I've written so far, and this one kind of sums up uh, what the Lord has called me to proclaim and herald in the body of Christ. And there's also um, a lot of prophetic vision of what is coming, some keys to fasting and prayer, and also how to avoid legalism and also hyper grace. So the books are in the lobby out there. Amen. All right, did you know that we are coming up in our three-year anniversary of being in this building? It was July 24th, 2016 that we purchased this facility. I dug up a couple of pictures, if they've got those ready, just to kind of, this is Morgan and I at the, the, uh, the title. I know if, if you don't know the story real quickly, I Jericho marched this building for 21 days in a row at midnight, yes, the neighbors called the cops on me, but the Lord told me that if I marched this building like Joshua, that he would deliver it into our hands. And so there's Bella Grace, uh, our first service. Now listen, this is a classic, I want you to stop this. This is Barry Nichols, okay? This is vintage Barry Nichols. We cut down this tree on the property. This thing was a massive beast. And Barry is given the flex right there. Many of you know he sold his company. Let's turn that next one. I think we've got another one. Dennis DeSmit. 
I want you guys to treasure this picture. Dennis covered in mud. We had a lot of renovating to do. Outside of the kids' church, we have now renovated every square foot of almost 50,000 square feet in this property. Amazing, the people that have come. There's me. If you don't know, in the kids' church, we knocked down a lot of those walls. That was a fun day. Is there anything else? And that's Morgan and I at our first service uh, that we had in here. So can you help me give God glory just for opening up? I can just tell you as a church planner that finally owning your own building is a real era of transition. Uh, We did six buildings in six years, very transient, spend money building out a place, move, outgrow it, that whole thing. And uh, I, I, I can honestly tell you, I still drive up to this place every week and at times cry out of the goodness of God, his blessing toward this community. And we could have not done it without each and every one of you. So thank you for being with us on the journey. All right, would you grab the hand of the person next to you? Yes, that is a Jeremiah-ism. I've been watching Mick and Raul make fun of me and make videos where they start by saying they're impersonating me. Everybody grab hands. But I really believe that for corporate outpouring to take place, we have to have corporate agreement. I don't know if you felt the fight in the room this morning. I don't know that all of us were in agreement, just being honest, that the Spirit would break out. But we have one more chance during the Word. So I'm, I'm believing that you and I could lock in. You know, I don't know how convicting that song was, right? We volunteer We volunteer. Our problem is that we think God is here to volunteer for our plans. We're not used to telling God we volunteer for His plans because we want Him to volunteer for our agendas. That's the tension that you felt in the room. It was called the flesh screaming and saying no. So I'm going to preach a message this morning called, What God Has Joined, Let No Man Separate. It's not about marriage, although I'm sure we could all use some advice there. What God has joined, let no man separate. This is a prophetic message. I believe it's seasonal that the Lord is asking me to carry right now in the body of Christ. And um, I do believe that it is for many, even beyond our community But I'm going to preach it here because the Lord wants it ministered. And if you're here and this is a word for you, I just encourage you to grab hold of it. And uh, we're just going to shift gears and go for it. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that no one is here by mistake. We thank you that your word says that you have placed each member in the body just as you have desired And God, I'm just asking for fresh winds of grace to blow in this place today. Lord, I pray for a revival spirit, not just extended meetings, but let a revival spirit hit our personal lives. Father, if we're out of alignment, if we're not fulfilling our assignments, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're a God of mercy and a God of grace. And I just pray today for anyone that feels unqualified, disqualified, 
out of touch with you. God, we're just asking that you would pour out your spirit in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have in your Bibles, would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to launch out from here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. To give you a little background of the season that I've been in, we were up in Minnesota in April, and I would be lying to tell you we scheduled the trip because I was hoping there wouldn't be any snow. Uh, I'm not a fan of snow. I grew up in the snow. Uh, my dad was a native Floridian. He literally shoveled the snow in shorts and no t-shirt as a protest that he was never giving in to the cold. But we wound up in Minnesota at the end of April and walked into a blizzard. Now, a couple of our team members that were with me rejoiced. I, I was miserable. But we went up to Minnesota. I was doing some prophetic training and equipping. And the, the place up there, middle of nowhere, Minnesota, rented out a curling facility. I don't know if you've ever watched the Olympics, but they curl. They push those. Um, yeah, you guys, look it up. if you. I don't even know how to explain it. But this big curling facility in the middle of nowhere, and I can honestly say that weekend we met with God in the middle of a blizzard. A dear sister from, uh, I believe it was either North or South Dakota, had driven 12 hours one way through a blizzard desperate for an encounter with God. It's these kinds of experiences that I continue to have on the road where, quite frankly, people watch the live stream and they live two minutes down the road and won't come. But then you go to place in the United States and they drive 12 hours one way in the midst. It's no wonder the Lord sets those kinds of folks on fire. Now, again, if you're sick or you had surgery, I get you can't come. But the Lord will not deny hunger. And so at the end of these meetings, we took up an offering, and this older man who was a farmer in Minnesota walked up to me. I would guess he was in his 80s, and he said, son, I don't have an offering, but what I do have is these pair of gloves that are most precious to me. He said, these pair of gloves I've owned for more than 40 years. He said, I have faithfully plowed my fields. I've pioneered out here in the wilderness, and God has given me abundant fruit, and the Lord told me to give you these gloves. And I sensed the weight of the moment that something, there was a divine transaction. There was a sign and I felt like the Holy Spirit, even before we dive into this message, wants to say to us today, do not miss your sign. Do not miss those divine windows of time that come to you unexpectedly. Make sure you have the right interpretation. 
What is the Lord saying through you on a highway? And you see, we've all had those moments. You read a bumper sticker, something unexpected. And a lot of times, if we're not in the Spirit, we just pass them by and think it's coincidence. Or we just think, oh, wow, that was weird. I'm telling you, God is releasing signs in the heavens and on the earth to direct His people by the Holy Spirit, and I'm thankful that the Lord awakened me in that moment and said, Jeremiah, I'm not only speaking to you, I'm not only giving you a fresh mantle to pioneer and plow in the body of Christ, I'm releasing a pioneering mantle. And I'm going to prophesy to you, the Lord has been talking to me about calling the body of Christ to great exploits. There is an adventure spirit. There is a dreaming with God. There is a getting off the bench into the game. There's a realm of perseverance and faithfulness. I want to encourage us. God is not looking for the qualified. He's not looking for the strong. He's not looking for the educated. God is looking for weak people. God is looking for weak people. If you're here today and you think you're way off course, perfect. If you're here today thinking your marriage is a wreck, perfect. If you're here today and you're running from the call of God for years, perfect. Welcome to the kingdom of God. In Hebrews 11, the heroes of the faith, I love verse 34, I never hear it preached. Who through weakness God made powerful. There is a fresh mantle. There are gloves that are coming, worn gloves, for you and I to start getting out of the boat and walking in an anointing in a place that, quite frankly, we have no business stepping into except for the Spirit of God begin to breathe His breath of life inside of our bones. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the grace of God that helps me to do what I could never do in my own strength. The Lord is going to raise up a mighty remnant in the earth and people are going to look at them in the natural and say that's impossible but if we have eyes to see and ears to hear we will understand these are the very people that God is looking for so I just want to high five you today I want to wrap my arms around you I want to tell you it's going to be okay I want to encourage you let's just knock the pride out of our lives that tells us we have to have everything together and then God could use us. No, you don't clean yourself up and then come to God. You come to God and He cleans you up. There should be no reason today after this message that you and I cannot step up and step in and say, you know, Lord, like Moses, I can't really talk. I can't really communicate, but what if God wants to use you as a deliverer? 
What if God is calling to a Gideon, someone in here that struggles with fear and anxiety and you're hiding and the Lord, you're just like, Lord, I need all this money, I need all these plans, and the Lord says, no, 300 will do. Lord, I need a platform, I need a stage, and the Lord says, no, that guy over there, he'll do. If you can't be faithful with the little, I'll never give you a stage. I want us to hear the Spirit of God speaking in this place, empowering us, encouraging us. We have not seen anything yet in the body of Christ. We should be dreaming and building so large that people observe our lives and say, only God could have done this. How are we doing? We're going to look at Paul, the apostle, a murderer of Christians, telling you the Lord's coming after all our excuses, all our victim parties, all our reasons why we can't fulfill His will. And we're going to look at a man who was an apostle of grace. He labored according to the grace God had given him, and he took away. I, I believe Paul is a premier example. He was chosen on purpose for a purpose, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would encourage us. 1 Corinthians 15, I just want to look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul talking, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. One more time. Paul says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Paul was a man that grabbed hold of a true pioneering, plowing, dreaming with God, establishing churches. It's remarkable what God used him to do. And I want to tell you there are plans, there are dreams, there are purposes that God wants to manifest in this room. And he's coming to challenge meager possibilities. He's coming to challenge our ceilings. I believe the Lord wants to tell some of you, if you'll receive my grace, I will turn your ceiling into a footstool. If you'll receive my grace, I'll turn your fears into faith. If you'll receive my grace, I'll turn your unbelief about all the excuses of why you can't, and I will raise you up as a mighty champion of my grace. This is the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that He takes weak, twisted individuals, and He... Breathe His breath of life inside of them. They do mighty exploits. He even gives them eternal rewards for what He's done in them. 
Isn't it amazing that God allows us to partner with His purposes to give Him the credit that He deserves and still He's so gracious to give us a cause to run for? Now, I don't want grace to be mysterious to us. I know being here nine years, Barry Nichols has done a tremendous job preaching on grace. But here is a couple of my definitions of grace because it's important that we understand what is grace. One of the ones that I simply like is this. Grace is the divine influence upon the heart. Grace is divine influence upon the heart. When the grace of God begins to breathe, begins to influence your life, it's like a breath. It's like a mighty wind that comes that helps you to do what you could never do on your own. To live by God's grace means to depend upon Him, to enable us, to empower us. We aren't striving in our own power to do something for Him. Rather, He is working in us and through us to accomplish His will. The Lord gave me a revelation one day. It's prophetic, which means you have to judge it. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is the person of grace. I believe that Paul had a revelation of this when he addresses every church in the New Testament saying, Grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, God the Father, and grace. What if grace was not simply a concept, it was a person? What if grace was made available? What if grace is living on the inside of you? What if grace is like an inexhaustible fountain that will never run dry? But what if grace is a person that won't force you to invite him in? What if most of our Christian journey is done in our own strength and not by the Spirit of grace? Any ex-athletes in here? Any people that love competition? I've found over the years that the grace message is the hardest message for athletes and those who grew up as competitors to get. Because they believe they have to work for, they have to strive, they have to get to the top. And the truth is, the Lord loves Michael Jordan on the court, dunking, shooting threes 100%. He loves that guy just as much as he loves the guy on the bench who literally shoots air balls all day. I'm telling you, the grace of God is amazing. The grace of God is available for any person in this room, but I want us to understand as a laborer, as a pioneer, Paul above all else says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And the Lord is looking for a group of people in the body of Christ that would declare, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
Ephesians 4, Romans 12, Paul constantly is preaching and he says this, According to the grace given me, I say to every one of you. This word according, it's the Greek word kata, K-A-T-A. Listen to this, it means in agreement with. Paul says, in agreement with the grace that God has given me, I say to every one of you, what would your life look like if you began to pray these kinds of prayers? Lord, I come into agreement with the grace that you've given me. What if we set all our accolades, all our resumes, all our degrees? What if you and I gave ourselves to this simple life of being poor in spirit? The Sermon on the Mount attitude where we say, Lord, without you I'm nothing. How many of us are in touch if the Lord took his hand off of our lives, we're nothing? If he takes his grace off your business, it's in the dumpster. If he removes his how in tune, where is our boast? What are we boasting in? What are we glorying in? And again, Paul is a perfect example of a man who said, I will not boast in anything except Christ in him crucified. He's drawing us to the place where we say, I am what I am. But it's all by the grace of God. Now he says, His grace toward me did not prove in vain. In other words, the grace of God can prove vain toward you. You can frustrate the grace of God. You can glory in your abilities and your own strength, and the Spirit of God never breathe on you. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. He has influenced me. He has enabled me. He has empowered me. And literally, it means His grace didn't prove vain. It means it's had an impact. It's had an effect. It's visible to people. In other words, can people look at my life and yours and say, wow, the grace of God has radically impacted them. I'm talking about God doing such a work of grace in your life that people look at you and say, if you could get saved, anyone can. This is, again, I want to try to get us out of these salvation calls where we bow our heads, every eye closed. You give your life to Jesus, there's no change. I'm talking about the actual breath of God, the Spirit of grace breathing upon individuals where they go from strippers to preachers, where, where the impact of grace, they're literally unrecognizable. What are you dreaming for? This is, though, the, the issue. What are you believing God for? Do you believe that He could take you and I mere clay? 
mere dust of the earth, and by his divine empowerment, by his breath, he can make weak, twisted people into literal world changers that can pioneer and plant, that can stand up to the rising darkness in this nation and say, you can come this far, but you can't come any farther. Is there anyone in here that just might believe that God has a bigger plan for your life than you do? Is there anyone in here that would dare to believe that God has seen the end from the beginning and from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is full of people who did great exploits, but again, Hebrews 11.34, in their weakness were made powerful. God, all I have to give you today is my weakness. All I have to give you today is how screwed up I am. (laughs) I remember feeling like in a season I had literally nothing to offer God. I was out in a camp in Georgia under a white tent listening to a worship leader, and she says these words speaking for God. Your weak attempts move my heart. I flopped over in that tent and got in the fetal position and said, Oh my God, my weak, measly has the power. Yes, because God is looking for dependent, confessing that they don't have it all together. I'm telling you, the Lord is trying to relieve you from a religious spirit in this room from some type of unbiblical perfectionism. I believe the Lord has said to me, many of you in this room, you are too hard on yourself. A little bit of a pivot step here, but I felt like I was supposed to share this with you. I believe the grace of God and the rest of God, they're tied together. They're not exactly the same. I'm sure Brother Ravenhill could help us understand the difference but as I've been studying the grace of God I had this dream a couple of weeks ago and in the dream the Lord brought me before his counsel and for whatever reason I I've been dreaming since I was a young boy I don't ever ask for dreams but for whatever reason in this dream the Lord brought me close and he said Jeremiah I want to show you the thing that most disappoints me about humanity. I want to show you the thing that most disappoints me about humanity. And I entered into this realm in God in the dream, and I said, Lord, what is it? What is the thing that most disappoints you about humanity? And he said, they do not honor the Sabbath. He said, did I take a Sabbath? I said, yes, Lord, you rested after you created the earth. He said, if I'm God and I took a Sabbath, why do my people think that they don't have to take a Sabbath? The Lord said to me, when people don't take a Sabbath, what it says to him is, I'm God and you're not. What if by taking a Sabbath and taking a rest and entering into His grace, really it's a confession 
Lord, I can't provide for my family in my own strength. I'm just going to acknowledge, really, you're the provider. I'm going to stop running around like a madman trying to do all of this in my own flesh, and I'm just going to bow my knees before you right now. And, hey, anybody ever heard of Chick-fil-A? Maybe a modern-day example of a Christian organization who has chosen to take a Sabbath. And again, by them taking a Sabbath, they are making a statement to the Lord and mankind, God is my provider. I tell you, I've been wrecked that that would be the most disappointing thing to God. That when we stand before him, he's not going to say, well, you ran too fast. He's going to say, yeah, you never took a breath. You never stopped and allowed me to breathe my breath of life inside of you. And you chose to do this life on your own. The grace of God. Are you ready to take a shift? Because this message is called, What God Has Joined, Let No Man Separate. I agree you could preach 52 messages on the spirit of grace. But I believe that there are many biblical realities that God wants to marry. But we live in a culture that serves a God of their imagination and not the God of the scriptures. And because they serve a delusional God, many people in the church are trying to divorce God rather than marry who He is together. So the grace of God. Paul says, track with me, I am what I am by the grace of God. And His grace did not prove toward me in vain. It had an impact. It had an effect. But listen how he pivots. He says, but... Can you say but? He says, but I outlabored all of you. Because some of us, you almost just got caught believing that when the breath of God breathes into you, you can just sit on the couch and play video games all day. We just might have been deceived into believing that when God pours out His grace upon you, it just means stop preparing, stop doing anything. Oh, please don't work a job. There's no way God can be in that. I don't need to tithe anymore. That 10% stuff is the Old Testament. I've been freed from that law, that religious thing. Man, now I'm under grace. And the grace of God is so good to me that now in His strength, I can give God less money than I could before He breathed on me. Is that right? You hear this stuff all the time. I don't have to give God my money anymore, bro. That ties stuff. I I tend to agree with people. Amen. I don't believe in tithing either. Under the old covenant in my own strength, I could give God 10%. And you're telling me now under the new covenant, by His strength, I can give less than 10%. 
No, I'm actually going to tell you by the spirit of grace under the new covenant, 10% is no longer the maximum. It becomes the minimum. How can the grace of God blow upon your life in such a way that now he doesn't want our... I'm telling you, when the grace of God begins to blow on someone's life, they will run faster than they did in their own strength. This is why I'm convinced the spirit of grace, the true spirit of grace, has not yet swept the body. Now, here's a clue for you. Satan does not counterfeit trash. Satan does not counterfeit trash. The reason why Satan has counterfeited grace and there's a false grace message permeating the body of Christ is because Satan knows the potency, the power of a people that grab hold of the spirit of grace. And when grace begins to touch your finances, it's not how little I can give. It's God, I'm prepared to give it all. When the Spirit of grace touches your sin behavior, it's not how much can I sin and still get to heaven. When the Spirit of God touches your life, it's how much of heaven can I still have while walking this earth. That's grace. Didn't get a whole lot of amens there. Who is Paul talking to? I've outlabored all of you. Listen, this is not Paul, the super apostle, talking to a bunch of elementary students saying, Booyah, little 12-year-old, you're a little piece of dirt. I'm the king apostle. No, he is actually talking to the apostles who walked with Jesus. These are astute. These are men who had a little bit of pedigree. These are men who would ultimately give their life to Jesus, and he's give their lives martyrdom. He's saying, "Hey, you, Peter, you, you, I've outlabored." And some of us would say, "What an arrogant prick!" Because here's what I found. When the Spirit of God blows upon you and you begin to run in your calling, you will be accused of pride all day long. People will think that you're arrogant. They will think that you don't have time for people. And really, they have failed to grab hold of the spirit of grace. In fact, many of those people, when you start running in grace, many of the people that attack you, they're just feeling convicted that they haven't grabbed hold of grace either. I'm telling you, these mighty men and women of God in the body of Christ that so many envy What's the secret to their sauce? They have yielded, they have availed, they have kneeled down before the King of glory and said, Lord, would you take this weak, twisted vessel and pour out your spirit and grace upon that I might become a trophy of yours in the years ahead. Come on, there's got to be a 17-year-old in this room. There's got to be a 68-year-old. There's got to be a marriage. There's got to be a person in this room today that says, Lord, Lord, I don't really have a whole lot to offer you, but if you'll touch me, I'll never turn back. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. I, I just don't understand why weeping doesn't break out. That this God of the universe, Jesus Christ, was born in a cruddy stable would go into Galilee and not pick 12 superstars, but 12 loser fishermen. And he would use them to turn the world upside down. Well, brother, I've out-sinned grace. Maybe that's your pride talking. Maybe anxiety is a form of pride. Maybe all our fears and all the reasons, all all the reasons why we can't. Maybe it's really saying to God, I refuse to let control of my life. Referring to 1 Corinthians 15.10, Andrew Murray says, This passage used to puzzle me. It seemed as if Paul was trying to be both humble and arrogant. How could anyone dare to state publicly that he had worked harder than all the other apostles? But then I realized that Paul was ascribing even his hard work to the grace of God. Sometimes we hear tired Christians describing how hard they've worked for the church and Sunday school or being one of the faithful few that attend uh, uh, prayer meetings. Perhaps we ourselves have been one of those tired Christians. If so, let's remember to credit our hard work and faithful labors strictly to the grace of God. One more time. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace did not prove toward me in vain. But, however, I did outlabor all of you, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. I want to say one more time that there is a pioneering. God is releasing gloves to the church. Jesus said, when any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, He is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. It's time to fight again. It's time to re-engage. It's time to say yes. I'm going to tell you what I feel for this church is yes, we've come far, but we haven't seen anything yet. I want to bless your marriage and your kids and tell you you're probably doing an awesome job, but I want to tell you when you invite God in, you haven't seen anything yet. I mean, what if our marriages, our kids, what if we just lived in this supernatural world where we literally could not take credit for anything? I mean, we were just in awe and wonder. This is what the new... How many of you enjoyed Derek Kelly? He came here and preached like a... He preached up a storm. On the book of Acts, he mentioned it briefly. It says in in Acts chapter 4... And abundant grace was upon them all. Mega grace, double grace, extraordinary, and abundant grace. Listen, when the grace of God came, it wasn't, well, just try to get to church on Sunday when you can. 
It was like they were meeting from house to house. They were available. You are, I, I want to challenge you, I encourage you. If you dare to pray that the grace of God would be poured out in your life today, we need a revelation of what we're asking for. We're asking for deliverance, divine enablement, empowerment. We're asking, Lord, I want you to do such a work in my life that I'm unrecognizable next week, next month, next year. Lord, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we, we pray these prayers, Lord, send the fire. I'm like, dude, I don't just want to smell like the smoke. I want the all-consuming fire of God. We had bought this building, Little Heart of the Father Ministry, the little train that couldn't. I, mean, I, just, I wish some people could know where we came from in this body. <laughs> this is a work of God. Any man would be a total fool to take credit for this. We bought the building. I was standing in the lobby. I'm, I can assure you it didn't look like that. And an old friend of mine came in. I believe God sent him. And he said, can you show me the facility? He knew my story. He grew up with me. And I take him around the facility and he goes to leave. And he gives me this kind of psh. Somebody ever done to you? Psh. He said, Jeremiah Johnson? Psh. <laughs> Kept doing this psh. I just wanted to slap him. <laughs> He's like psh. And I'm telling you, my flesh rose up in me, and I was going to tell him how hard I labored and all the fasting and all the prayer. And the Lord said to me, shut your mouth and give me glory. Shut your mouth and give me glory. And I said, yeah, isn't it amazing that some weak little nerd, some weak little prophet boy, God could pour out his spirit of grace upon and we could get. I'm telling you, this stuff is coming to a, a, to a daring, courageous men and women that would just say, Lord, I'm stepping out today. I'm turning in my license for striving and my intellect and my accolades and my plans and Turn in your plans in exchange for His. They might just be bigger than yours. Let me finish here. Abounding work needs abounding grace as its source and strength. There often is abounding work without abounding grace. Just as any man may be very diligent in an earthly pursuit, so men may be very diligent in doing religious work in their own strength, but with little thought of that grace which alone can do true, spiritual, effective work. Paul continually speaks of his own work as owing everything to the grace of God working in us so that we can truly do what are truly good works. It is only as we seek and receive abounding grace that we can abound in every good work. Again, there is abounding work. I just wrote a book on Jesus returning. But we're not ready yet. 
I don't know that I'm ready yet. Look, Lord, there's a dying and lost world out there. Why do we need some prophetic word to go talk to our neighbors and share the gospel? When we begin to abide and commune with the Spirit of grace, He didn't leave the prodigal in the pig slop. He pulled him right up out of it. Look, the grace of God was like the hand in your life that pulled you up out of your own misery and your own striving and said, can I just tell one more story? I just, if you know me, I've got a motor on me. I, I, I can run. I put on a pot of coffee at 10 p.m. I stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning. I write. I pray. I contend. I don't need very little sleep. There's been seasons in my life where the Lord, I got to the end of my rope and I heard a voice that said, how does that feel? I said, what? He's, God says, how does that feel without my grace? Do you like that? I remember at year two, this church plant, I'm like, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm declaring, I'm, I mean, Marie knows, we were. And I'm like at the end of my rope and Barry Nichols, says, hey, son, I, I want to have a meeting with you. I said, oh, great, he's going to come and encourage me and tell me to run harder. We get to the meeting, and he says, hey, I, I've got a book for you. I'm like, awesome. He hands me a book, and the book is called God Can Do It Without Me. <laughs> I mean, he might as well just slap me upside the head. He said, I'm not saying you're not doing a good job. He said, I'm not saying that God doesn't love your heart. I'm, I'm not saying just to take a sabbatical and quit. But Barry said, what I am saying is, if you think you're doing good now, wait till God breathes on you. If you like the fruit now, wait until the Spirit of grace blows through this place and I'm telling you, there were days early on in this church plant where I literally would lay in the altar and tell God, if you don't breathe on me, I don't even have strength to preach right now. I remember Jericho marching this building saying, Lord, we don't have the money. There's no way it's going to happen. And the Spirit of God, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the enduring persevering, wanting it more than we do, grace of God that is willing to be patient and slow down and come again and again. All we've got to do is confess we need it. I just want to close with just a picture of this labor. What God has joined let no man separate. Paul, I believe, was an apostle of grace. He was a champion of it. He credited the grace of God, but what he did for the kingdom of God was unbelievable. And when Paul says here, but I have labored even more than all of them, I want us to understand the word that Paul used to describe his labor. Because I am concerned in this generation that some of us, our interpretation of labor is nothing. Our interpretation of serving God is not this kind of enduring faith that lasts for decades. It's just a seasonal 
putting in and just holding on for dear life. This is what Paul says, I outlabored. It's derived from a secular Greek word describing a literal beating or the weariness as though one had been beaten. It's used to describe physical tiredness induced by work or heat. It's the kind of intense, hard, wearisome toil, even to the point of utter exhaustion and fainting. The intensity of this kind of labor leaves the worker so weary as if he had been physically beaten. Lord, I just want your grace so I can take a break. I just want your grace to breathe on me so that I can just go from the pew to the stage and get the audience. Lord, I'm just looking for Goliath, but I have no idea what a lion or a bear looks like. When the grace of God breathed upon Paul, it empowered, it influenced, it enabled him not to get out of the fire, but to walk through it. Nothing, I know the older folks in here would agree, nothing in life that's worth having is ever obtained easily. Your places of greatest inheritance will be your places of greatest warfare. Some of you, you're at the precipice. You're at the edge of the grace of God blowing in your life for real. For the very first time. Because there are people in this room, you've been on roller coaster Christianity for 10 or 20 or 30 years. Where you have good seasons and bad seasons. God's good, no he's not. I'm serving God, I'm not serving God. The grace of God has come to bring balance, to bring stability, to bring lifelong connection with him so that you will never fade or go back again. But I would be lying to tell you that the grace of God that's coming to the body to bring great exploits, to challenge the powers of darkness in this nation, to call forth an army of the dawn. When we get ready for battle, if grace isn't our portion, we will turn back. God, I want your grace today. I want your breath to breathe upon me. Lord, I want to enter into your rest, but I've got to believe at some point it's time to get to work. Broke my heart, still does to this day. I went to Bible college. Students preparing for ministry that wouldn't even go to church on Sunday telling you some of this Christianity that it's some of the most bizarre stuff I've ever encountered wanting revival in a city but not willing to go to the outreach 
wanting to talk about the abortion and not wanting to go out to the clinic, wanting to preach on prayer, but no one prays. Martin Luther, the great reformer, this was his take. To those who love the law, I preach grace. And to those who love grace, I preach the law. I don't believe you have to choose one or the other, but I certainly believe there are some people in this room, you're bent one way or the other. Some of you, you're so into grace that it's become laziness. It's become a license not to do this and do that. I'm telling you, fulfilling the will of God is hard. It's going to cost you something, your life. But we don't have to do it on our own strength and our own willpower. There's divine grace. You want to be a youth pastor. You want to be an evangelist. Get ready for a war. You want to have kids? Oh, you want to have kids in this generation? Get ready for an all-out war. I just want to be told the truth. I I just want to be told what I'm getting into. We've got to begin to pop these bubbles and these delusions and the war that's going to rage in this nation. Donald Trump can only hold the judgment back for so long. You dream about the days ahead, you better be dreaming about the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit you've ever seen and the greatest persecution in America you've ever seen. I just, I, 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 you know, I just, I miss the, the old people. I know I get in trouble for saying that, more mature. I miss like the prayer warriors that they wouldn't leave the altar until the prayer got answered. I miss the shut-ins. My, my parents would bring us to church with sleeping bags and we'd pray all night. Now the service has to be an hour or less or millennial parents aren't coming back. Sorry, that ain't going to work in the days ahead. We just want to buy the coat and mimic the preacher. We want to live our lives vicariously through YouTube because we think they're so anointed when we need to get our own anointing. We forfeited originality and authenticity. There's so many echoes in the body. Where are the voices? Where are the men and women willing to pay the price? But not I, but by the grace of God. His grace did not prove in me vain. For I outlabored all of you, but not me, but the grace of God. How many of you have a heart for discipleship in this room? How many of you want to see people grow in Christ? I hope that's everybody, but I've discovered along the way some people feel it more than others. Let me just close with this verse just to give you an idea again of what it looked like to Paul, the pioneer, to help people grow in Christ. Verse 28, Colossians 1, And we proclaim Him, 
admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. So the goal of church leadership, the goal of Christianity, if it's mysterious to you, is to present every man or woman mature in Christ. We shouldn't be bottle-feeding Christians. We don't need a feeding tube. Cut the feeding tube off of the preacher and go get your own word. Okay, that's mature Christianity. So Paul says, the goal is to present every man that they may all know me from the least to the greatest. But this is what he says, and for this purpose I labor, striving, oh bro, I thought it was about grace, what God has joined, let no man separate. When God breathes, when He empowers, when He influences, when He enables, Paul says, to this purpose I labor, striving according to His power which works mightily within us. Here's this word striving. To exert oneself, to contend with an adversary, to compete with a prize. I'm at bed, I'm in the bed with my wife, and Brandon doesn't know the Lord. Oh, Lord, just bless Brandon. Hope he comes to know you one day. Well, Lord, just bless my neighbors. They're all sinners. Pour out your spirit. Amen. Well, God, we just lift up this dying world to you, and we just pray that you would do something about it. Where is this passion Where is this pioneering spirit in the body where in Galatians 4.19 Paul says, Again, I'm in the pains of childbirth. Have any women in here, raise your hand, given birth? Did it hurt? Did you scream? Did you cry? I haven't done it, obviously, but I've watched my wife do it four times. What if that pain of childbirth, again, I'm in the pains of childbirth to see Christ formed in you? What if it was that kind of burden and passion? What if it was that kind of striving? I say let it come. Let's just begin to pray in the Spirit. Maybe the Lord's doing something. Maybe He's not, but I don't want to miss it. What if His grace blew through this place today and you actually found yourself by His grace sleeping less than you did before? What if we begin to contend like against an adversary? Vance Havner, he says, in revival, 
the church dormant becomes the church militant. Maybe we've become desensitized in America. Maybe we don't really care anymore. Maybe we're being choked out by apathy and lethargy and complacency. What if this is what discipleship actually looks like? Come on, I just want you to close your eyes and just focus on you, your family, the people that you know, the people God has entrusted you with. Lord, save my family. Amen. Lord, touch my daughter. Amen. Lord, I've got a call to the nations. Just send me. Thank you. Come on, we've got to learn how to fight. We've got to learn how to press through. We've got to learn how to fight. We've got to learn how to contend. We've got to push past I'm not feeling it and get rock solid in our faith. Lord, we just pray in this room that all fear would be loosed off of every heart and every mind. I want to shift now and just to a time of just asking God to strip us of fear and anxiety and worry and our plans and our agendas. And the Lord gave me this phrase today, divine exchange. He wants us to exchange our fears, our excuses. If you feel like this message has been for you today, I just want you to come and fill the altar right now. Don't want to miss this moment. Just let the food burn. You can wait.
There's a bigger dream. There's a bigger plan. There's a bigger purpose. And God is looking to make weak people powerful. God is looking for a generation who's willing to war. Who's willing to contend. Who's willing not to take no for an answer. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. Some of you, he's been fighting immensely. And you're about to get that breakthrough that you've been after. If you're down in the front, I'm not going to pray for you. I just want you to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. What are you doing? You're fellowshipping with the Spirit of grace. You're uttering words and mysteries that even you don't understand. But let's believe today just for a few moments. And if you're sitting, just pray some prayers for folks here. Pray some prayers for those that God brings to your mind. If you got to let it out, let it out. I'm telling you, if people don't cry out in the church, they're not going to cry out in, in the streets. If we don't learn how to war in here, if we don't learn how to war in our homes, we're not going to war in public. Come on, just ask God for grace right now. Ask God for His grace right now. Come on, just two more minutes. What would your life look like if God poured out grace upon it? What could you do in His strength that you could never do in your own?
Come on, and great grace was upon them all. Mega grace was upon the first century church. As cities were turned upside down, as whole households were saved, and great grace was upon them all. Thirty seconds and we'll shift. Thirty seconds. feel in my heart today that what God is saying to much of the body of Christ is that you are about to be stunned. You are about to be amazed at the men and women that will arise in this generation. They will not arise by their own might nor by their power, but as the Word of God says, by the Spirit of God. And there are businesses and there are marriages and there are calls to various kinds of ministry. You are about to witness, you are about to be stunned at the men and women that will fulfill these assignments and all they have to offer is the grace of God. I just hear the Spirit of God saying there is a fresh confounding of the wisdom of men coming to the body of Christ. There is a great war that will be raged in America against a religious institution, against a religious spirit whose outside of the cup is clean, but inwardly they're full of self-righteousness. They're full of striving. 
The Lord says, I'm raising up a company of pure hearts. I'm raising up a company of weak men and women who will know my power because my power is perfected in weakness. God, I'm just asking that you would stun us all. God, I ask that you would amaze us. Lord, that you would even use us to help discover. Lord, I want to be one of these men and women. Father, I ask, Lord, now, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm releasing prayer assignments. I'm about to highlight to you these men and women that have nothing to offer but my grace. I'm going to assign you to them in prayer and you will labor and you will groan until destiny is realized in their life. You've been asking me to open doors and the Lord says, I'm about to place you before a company of people who are young, who don't have much to offer and if you'll see yourself in them, I will use you for my glory. Al, will you come up real quick? We're going to sing Amazing Grace. I pray that the sound is sweeter than you've ever heard it before. I want to thank you for coming today. I want to ask you, please, if you have to go, to be mindful of those in the altar. God, raise us up as a trophy of your grace. can grab a book in the lobby if you want but please stay as long as you want and we will see you this week. God bless you.